So as some of you may know, I am a former biology major, and thus I really love trees. <laughs> uh, many forest trees and shrubs will actually have what is called a mast year, where they produce an extraordinary amount of fruit or nuts. In our region, we most often notice this with acorns. Uh, there is no definitive underlying pattern for when mast years occur, nor are forest ecologists certain about how exactly such an endeavor is coordinated. Historically, ecologists assumed in the light of evolution that mast years were an outcome of a pretty basic energetic equation. Make more fruit when you have more starch. But if this were true, individual trees would mast by themselves when they had a good year and not mast when they had a bad year. But that's not the case. To quote my favorite ecologist, Robin Wall Kimmerer, if one tree fruits, they all fruit. There are no soloists. Not one tree in a grove, but the whole grove. Not one grove in the forest, but every grove, all across the county and all across the state. The trees act not as individuals, but somehow as a collective. Exactly how they do this, we don't yet know. But what we see is the power of unity. What happens to one happens to us all. We can starve together or feast together. All flourishing is mutual. Now, I will point out here that the participation of all trees in mass fruiting naturally means that each and every tree in the grove across the county is deeply important. If just the biggest and strongest tree masted, it would not matter and its efforts would be wasted. The biggest tree in the grove relies on and is supported by the sick trees, the young trees, the old trees, and the injured trees, just as these trees are reliant on the healthy trees. The author of that quote, Robin Wall Kimmerer, comes from the Potowatomi Nation, which was relocated to what is now Oklahoma, where a mass fruiting species, the pecan, actually lives. The pecan, in its ability to be stored for long periods of time, has provided food for people in times where other food sources were scarce, similar to our New England maples. She speaks further of a relationship between mass fruiting and human needs. The pecan groves give and give again. Such communal generosity might seem incompatible with the process of evolution, which invokes the imperative of individual survival, but we make a grave error if we try to separate individual well-being from the health of the whole. The gift of abundance from pecans is also a gift to themselves. By satiating squirrels and people, the trees are ensuring their own survival. So the story we heard today from Matthew is a familiar one to many of us, I trust. I think most of us can name the two greatest commandments without too much trouble. They boil down to love God and love your neighbor, short and sweet and theologically beautiful in its simplicity, especially in comparison to some of the other lists of commandments we get. Try as I might, I can't necessarily remember all 10 of the 10 commandments very easily. However, something I notice about this story that feels important is that Jesus doesn't just give this list one and then the other, he actually breaks it up in the middle to say something about the second, that it is like the first. 
you could take this to mean that the second is like the first in that when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we are loving God. This parallels a lot of the other sayings and teachings of Jesus, such as later in Matthew when he gives a lesson on the least of these. You could also take this to mean that they are like each other in that when we pray to God and love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, we are actually loving our neighbors as ourselves. It is a big endorsement of prayer and illustrates how important it can, how much it can matter and how important it can be. Even though we sometimes feel powerless to change the trials and tribulations of our collective lives, such as death, natural disasters, violence, and war, we can still pray, and it matters. However, we can also take the fact that these two commandments are given as a relationship to each other to mean something else, or something more. Maybe it means that we are called to live together in community with one another, that our culture of rugged individualism is actually just a myth. The second being like the first in that it isn't just a good thing to love our neighbors. People who don't believe in God do that all the time. It is like the first in that the second commandment is deeper than just charity. If it is like the first, then loving our neighbor should feel like and should be like loving God with all our heart. In other words, our act of goodwill should have some oomph to it. After sitting with this notion for some time, I have begun to think that maybe Jesus was not giving a set of commandments in the strict sense. I think that maybe he was limited by his audience. They, like many of us today, myself included, might have felt like they needed commandments and some clear guidelines to follow. A methodology they could replicate to live like Jesus did. They needed two rules to follow instead of a new way of being in the world commandments instead of an entirely new way of living. I think maybe Jesus, in his wisdom and love, was not necessarily giving us new commandments, but maybe giving us a new blueprint of living in a world that can feel like a bummer a lot of the time. A world which we live and support each other and get support by being bound together in love to God and to each other. The second is like the first in that the loving, sustaining relationship we have with God is mirrored in the love that we have for the communities that we live in. That sounds really great, and I like that sentiment. It also sounds really exhausting to heap this overhaul of my way of living on top of my life as it is, no matter how much I would like to or how much I would want to. I am frankly booked out. I have homework to do and lots of it. I'm a seminarian after all. I have family obligations to attend to. I have things I need to do for myself to feel like a person, I have trains to catch, and I have a wonderful internship to work at. I might be able to get a start on this whole overhaul thing at the end of the semester. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. I like my life as it is and all of that, but I do think that there is another way forward. I'll go back to the small ecology lecture I gave at the beginning of this sermon. What I hope you notice is that this way of living, to love our neighbors and to love God, is mirrored for us in the natural world. The pecan groves that I talked about, that mast and provide an abundance of pecans for humans, do not do so in a way that depletes them or causes them to burn out. Rather, they have a life process that both ensures their own livelihood and provides for their neighbors, the squirrels and humans. 
I personally am reminded of my senior year of college. I lived in an off-campus apartment with my two friends who both worked close to 40 hours a week to support themselves. I worked too, but less hours than they did. And for the entire year, I had my Fridays completely clear. No class, no work, no nothing. And it was awesome. I did my grocery shopping. I baked lots of cool cakes. And then I washed all the dishes in the sink, made the living room look habitable again, swept the floors, so on and so forth. It became my weekly habit that actually folded into my life really well. And to some extent, I actually looked forward to it. And now, I am not a saint. I actually ensured my own survival in doing this, just like the pecans do. Because somehow, all of a sudden, my friends had so much more energy on Friday nights. We watched movies all bundled together on the couch. We played darts. We did not get our security deposit back. We got board games, and we talked about our hopes and dreams and aspirations, as seniors in college often do. Our flourishing in those moments were truly mutual. Through some additional chores on my own, I received so much more in return than I ever really gave. And so I encourage you to look for the flourishing and look for the mutuality in your lives and in your communities. Amen.